Welcome to uh, Auto Week Podcast, Sweet 16, number 16, special Thanksgiving <laughs> episode here. Uh, we're going to be talking turkey and uh, stuffing. You know, actually, we're going to talk a little bit about project cars. With me today, I'm Rory Carroll. I'm the publisher of Auto Week. Uh, mm-hmm. With me here to my left in a yellow t-shirt is Wesley Wren. Uh, associate editor, executive and, producer, and executive producer of the Auto Week Pod. Yep, uh, Jimmy Pelizzari, events and custom content specialist. Jimmy is joining us from the uh, commercial side today, as nobody is here today in the office, and he was literally the last <laughs> choice. endorsement. We're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Really guys. honored to be here. <laughs> And at the very bottom of the barrel, uh, Graham Kozak, now the features editor. Mm. A so, recent change. Right. A recent Congrats. change. Yeah. Graham, tell us about your promotion, first of all. Well, I will be, uh, I'll be, I have been doing Car Life stuff for, I don't know how many What's years What's Car now. Life? Car Life is the section of the book that most, it's the first thing people open to, I like to think. No, it, it deals with, it's where we do a lot of the old car stuff, um, bike stuff, event coverage, anything that's not a new car drive or motorsports. I'd like to say that it's the, the section that focuses on car culture, but honestly, we're kind of trying to bring that into every part of the book, which is part of what my job is going to be. So bringing that feel of just the you know completely diverse range of stories and stuff like that that's been in car life, and bring that feel and the focus on, I don't know, interesting features to the rest of the book too so nailed it uh that's good on the spot uh <laughs> but we should actually cover one thanksgiving related topic that's not on our agenda which is which is where we're all going home so oh, we're all okay. today in detroit the uh, day before thanksgiving the day before thanksgiving uh, as soon as we finish is is you know to use an industry term in the podcast industry rap this podcast yeah we'll be getting in in cars uh and i would like to talk about what we're driving and where we're headed um we'll start with you graham as you you're taking that polaris slingshot right yeah no i'm taking the honda civic type r Ooh, which i, I have, know we had one of those we just got it in today is um, it actually here it, it's in it's okay, in cool. today and uh yeah i'm i'm real curious to to drive it i had driven the the previous generation which was still only available in Europe and overseas, and th- it was the first one to get a turbo oh, that's engine. Right. You went to the Hungaro, right? Yeah, right? yeah. So that was kind of an interesting experience because I'd never driven a Type R before, and it was the first of the turbo, you know, high performance Hondas. Um, so it was really more like this new one, the first one sold in the U.S. than it was like the old ones. Um, but it was still an interesting experience. Um, I don't know. I'm excited because it, it's like a hot hatch, but it didn't take. I hate to say the easy route, but it didn't go all-wheel drive. It's trying to manage all that power through the front wheels, so it's kind of an old-school hot hatch in that respect. Looks, I mean, it is kind of a little bit over the top as far as that goes. It's a Gundam. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good thing as far as I'm yeah. concerned. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I see it in pictures. I'm torn, and then I see it in person, and I'm, like, trying to convince Nina that I should just go full boy <laughs> racer and Buy one. start wearing exclusively streetwear. And, Supreme shirt. Yeah. yeah. And super dry and all that stuff. So, <laughs> uh, so where are you going? Uh, nowhere. Going, You're going home to grocery Yeah, I'm going, sticking in the Detroit area. My parents live in Michigan's beautiful Upper Peninsula, and uh, they're actually coming down. So, hmm. yeah, so it'll be good to have them. Thanksgiving at the Kozak household at Graham's house? Yeah. No, I think they're staying at my uh, aunt and uncle's house, which actually has, 
it's not a construction zone. Ah, okay. But no, I hope to actually spend some time driving around um, the area. I got you know the weekend open, and it's and, supposed to be nice weather. So and your ten uh, year reunion. Right. Yeah, I get to roll up to the ten year reunion in a oh hell yeah Civic Type R. Yep. Badass, Jimmy. Uh, <clears throat> right after this, we're piling in uh, the Tacoma and driving up to beautiful Traverse City, Michigan. Which uh, tell me about the Tacoma a little bit. It's, it's, it should be noted that Jimmy does not have access to the press fleet. I do not have <laughs> access to the press fleet. No, the uh, Tacoma. It's it's my very own Tacoma. It's a 2016. It's a car that Jimmy makes payments on. Pays for the insurance. Yep, it's a car that I pay, pay for, for. The gas. Yep. <laughs> Great truck. Yeah. Gray, long bed, double cab. Yeah, gets the job done. Good. The, the job nice. being commuting. Yeah. Commuting and towing the rail moving car. stuff, towing cars. Yeah. Broken cars usually. Uh, Wesley, I will be headed uh, down south, as it were, the deep south of Indi- Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, spending uh, Thanksgiving with my family. We're having it at my sister's house for the first time. Ooh. Hanging out with my nieces, playing some drums with them. That'll be funny. That'll be cool. Yep. Yeah. What are you uh, driving? Uh, I think I'm driving the Accord Sport that we have, but Ooh, I'm not yeah. sure. People I'm more excited about that. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped on seems it. to love yeah. it. So. The uh, Polaris Slingshot. I think it'll be sitting. Oh, Unless, wait so a minute here. Well, could come by and sneak it yeah, up. Might, maybe should, I'll come by if the weather's You should go rip it around. It's fun. All right. Uh, you could take that. You're, aren't you going? Yeah, I got the dog. Ah. And the, and no the baby. baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can find space for her, though, right? Yeah, I mean, you can sit her on my lap. Yeah. Oh, you can strap her to the top of the uh, the slingshade. The slingshade. Yeah, slingshade. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> Uh, oh, real fast, did you guys notice that that slingshot doesn't have a license plate? Yeah, I did. It's I, fine. I noticed that after I was like driving around for four <laughs> hours the other day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no license plate on that. I think it's totally. I also didn't wear a helmet. I, I know you're supposed to wear a helmet, but I, I don't do that. I'm going to Traverse City as well. Jimmy and I are from the same neck of the woods, as it were. And I'm taking the E400 seasonal long-termer which rolls it's so good uh it's like a kind of a forest green color with the brown interior brown leather interior dizino dizigno dizigno interior Mm -hmm. very nice you mentioned on the last podcast you did a 26 hour marathon in that yes yeah i did Uh, so this won't be that that bad or long but uh fantastic car um so the actual topic actually you know we should talk a little bit about the nascar rap just a sentence or two. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. Very cool to see uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Furniture Row Racing uh, wrap up the championship. Um, great underdog story. Uh, team based in Colorado rather than North Carolina. Um, one that was absolutely, uh, I think they won eight races with the championship. Yeah. Um, so we actually have a feature coming up on that. Um, there's some really interesting comments made by some of the drivers and some of the uh, teams about how fast the Camrys have been this year. Um, and it, you know, the implication is that they've figured something out or that that car being, you know, the, the new design um, is inherently faster from an aero standpoint. So I, it should be cool to see, to see that, that story come together. I know uh, Matt Weaver, who's our, our, uh, one of our NASCAR guys is going to be talking to the guys who are uh, putting together the Camaro uh, Cup car for next year um, and trying to kind of really get to the bottom of why that car, why that Camry has been so dominant this year. That to me is kind of like the interesting part of NASCAR, the interesting part of racing where 
know, the cars are, are built to a, a pretty tight specification and the guys who can find that little bit of speed or that little bit of advantage, um, that that's fascinating to me. So keep an eye out for that one. That should take, it'll probably take some time to get that together, but it should be a really, really cool story. I want to have kind of like the definitive, uh, why are the Camrys so fast? And then, you know, what is, what is the outlook next year for, um, Chevy with that Camaro and for Ford, who's, I mean, still going to be racing the, the fusion. So, um, that'll be very, very cool. Um, so the actual topic that was sent out to me this morning, this morning from Wesley, the executive producer from the, from the mind of Wesley, uh, the hive mind as it were. No, it's singular. So it's just your mind. There's maybe there's multiples of me. Yeah, we don't know what's going on in there. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Neither do I. Yeah, okay. Uh, just tell us, what's the topic? What are we talking um, about? So I was thinking about it because I'll be gone next week, so this is kind of emergency pod. Uh, what's one thing that we all do that's very dumb, that takes up most of our time, that we still love? Uh, drinking alcohol. The, the second to that is project cars. And associated with that, yeah. usually. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, yeah. Mostly. Direct cars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I've been spending some time with Rory with your 911, which is... Jimmy's been there a few times. Yeah, Jimmy's been there. Uh, Graham, you've got a Nash you've been telling us about. Yeah. And you've mentioned the podcast a couple of times. Uh, Jimmy's got a slew of cars. And uh, I've got at least Two. I've got at least one problem coming up tomorrow in uh, my Thanksgiving situation. Yeah, so this is something Actually, that maybe three. despite um, three of us out of the four having access to all the latest and greatest uh, cars coming off the various assembly lines all over the world we've all uh and really all before we got into mm-hmm. this were engaged in these uh, sisyphean uh nightmare tasks of dealing with various old cars which are um almost never rewarding and almost just a constant se- sense of frustration it's always a bad time yeah. but it's so much fun yeah um and lately, I think, uh, you know, Wesley, Jimmy, and I have spent a lot of time in my garage, mostly playing darts and drinking beer and watching football. But we're getting really good at all you three have a of TV those in things. There? Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. I, got a TV. I, yeah. I haven't been over to see it since it's been cleaned out. I you think. should it's come really over. Nice. It's really right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, nice. It's heated. It's heated. It's got the old. Um, so the, the house, the carriage house behind the house was actually built for old like pre-war cars this is for the listeners you guys all know this but uh built for pre-war cars um so it's super deep and really high ceilings and um it's actually got uh, a bunch of iron pipes um that run along one wall and throw off radiant heat so they're connected to the boiler just like the rest of the carriage house um so it's heated in there it's like 60 degrees I did buy a refurb TV from eBay, kind of bolted it to the wall. Um, so we usually show up around one, watch the Lions, uh, not lose. I mean, they've been okay. Been doing, they're doing well. They're doing very well for the Lions. Um, I've been learning my uh, vocabulary. Football vocabulary. Yeah. yeah, I've been super impressed. Been good. Jimmy asked a lot of really good questions. Asking um, questions, listening, repeating things I don't understand. Yep. But when you're not doing that, you actually work on the car. Yeah, Sometimes. I would say yeah, we, we last uh, so in four or five hours last week. I'd say we put an honest twenty minutes, an, a, a solid twenty minutes. But we talked a lot about it. We talked. We we're, we do a lot of planning, much yeah. like much like the podcast. We do a lot of planning, yeah. a little bit of doing. Mm-hmm. But for the listeners that haven't known you for years, 
Tell us a little bit about this 911. Okay. Like, so we're going to start the 911? Yeah. Okay. So in 2001. No. <laughs> that was a different <laughs> one. Uh, <laughs> the uh, This 911 happened uh, to me in, I think, 2009 or 2010. I'd moved back home to Traverse City, uh, my hometown from Lansing. Uh, had a, a job where I was feeling like a bit of a shooter was absolutely not. I went from making like, uh, you know, $22,000 a year in Lansing to like slightly more than that. And I was like, oh, I'm rich. <laughs> like, I, you know, I figured it all out. Um, I was like 23. I bought a house, um, which I kind of got duped into buying long story and almost duped out of owning. Yep. <laughs> almost duped out of owning. Uh, that, that became kind of like a flop house for all my, weird friends and then i bought a uh 2006 gti when the mark fives came out i had like watched him watched all the top gear and fifth gear and all that stuff and was super excited about buying the car got that car and immediately was just like meh like yeah it's you know it's fast it was really fun great daily driver i you know i don't know what i was thinking but it was just not what i was after so i went actually looking for a grand national and then spotted on the same lot this black Euro 911 with side markers and uh, high pile carpet and like a it's a really weird gray market car a full leather dash um, 84. So I spotted that and uh, we talked to the the guy who owned the gas station and I was like, hey, whose car this? Who is it? Yeah, sorry, whose car is this? Um, he said this belongs to a guy who has five of them and he's probably looking to get rid of one. So I called the guy. He said, yes, he he was looking to get rid of one. This was the worst of the five that he owned. Um, and this is like super 2006, but I went to, or sorry, 2000, pre, pre, uh, pre financial collapse. Yes, yeah, so it might have been 2006. Yeah, it was. It was about 2006. Um, yeah, because I graduated in college in 05. So it would have been 2006. So anyway, so I went to the bank, yeah, local bank, and I was like, hey, I know I'm, you know, in my early 20s, I have no credit history. I own a house that I can't afford and I have a car payment. But what I'd like to do is buy a 20 something year old 911. Can I have $15,000? And they were like, well, can you prove what it's worth? So I was working at Haggerty at the time and I went up back to Haggerty and got like a, a value for, from, you know, for their insurance purposes or their value guide. And that was enough. And he was like, yeah, you know, we probably should. The, the loan officer was like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be doing this. But I know you're folks. You're a good kid. <laughs> like, and that was it. We're at the peak. Yeah. Good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is possibly why finances became what well, they Well, mm. to my credit, uh, I never missed a payment on the car. Never had a late payment on the car. Paid it off in full. And also, like, sold a GTI at a tremendous loss. And just took shit for years about people telling me how stupid it was to buy this 911 for fifteen thousand dollars. And uh, but yeah, if you'd only held on to it till today, yeah, imagine how much <laughs> right, it right. So I still have it today. Um, I drove it, so I sold the GTI and drove. You know, at first I was driving the 911 in the summer, and then driving a '73 Beetle in the winter, which was awesome. Yeah, best of both worlds. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and the Beetle, you know, was a total beater. It was a $2,200 car. Eventually rolled the Beetle under some uh, circumstances that will have to be saved for a different podcast. 
uh, and then started driving the 911 uh, due to financial necessity year round. Bought uh, a set of cookie cutters for my friend Rob Sayas. Put Firestone Winter Force snow tires, which are the cheapest snow tires that Tire Rack, or at the time, were the cheapest snow tires that Tire Rack sold. And then drove that year round, often commuting. Uh, after I worked at, worked at Haggerty, I worked in Lansing, so I was commuting from Traverse City to Lansing for a period in that car. Generally, just beat the hell out of it, and I think uh, neglected it. I think is a fair fair term for the last like I don't know. Uh, well, in the interim from 2010 until today, so the last seven years, it's been moved every place that I've moved has stopped and started as a project. You know, did a couple things here and there, but generally has not made any sort of real progress. It actually was stored in a friend's uh, facility over the last two years where it got it degraded a, a little extremely bit. wet and began to rust in certain places. I mean, it's a galvanized body, so it, it doesn't rust everywhere, but there are certainly it's, some spots of rust. The story on just it. keeps getting yeah. kind of scrimmer and grimmer. Really yeah. sad. Um, so this, the happy part of the story is this, I guess, summer I spent cleaning out the garage, our garage at the house. You sold your boat. Sold the boat which is again an another story for, another, story for yeah. another podcast the two-stroke episode we'll, yeah. We'll <laughs> yeah and uh so anyway got got the project kind of rolling again got the garage cleaned out um and have it up on jacks and we've been kind of poking at it for the last six weeks or so yeah thereabouts but you've got you're getting an idea of what you need to get it exactly going right yeah like that's yeah and that's that to, that you know for is bad, you know, as devoid of progress as the last seven years have been. Uh, this feels like a tremendous amount of progress, like just taking stuff off. You know, I've had, I've had parts that were, you know, from Pelican parts, front of the show, uh, future advertiser. <laughs> yeah. Future advertiser for F- sure. Future sponsor of the nine yeah, eleven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, but I, I've had parts, you know, sitting in various tubs, um, that are now like, you know, the parts that are supposed to replace are now off the car, which is a weird. Uh, some of them. Some of them. Yeah, we've been really some struggling. <laughs> yeah, we've been really struggling getting the uh, the drive shafts off. Those little weird uh, Allen wrench nuts have just been maddening. Uh, technical term: socket head cap screw. Thank you. Uh, socket head cap screws. Yeah. They suck. Um, it's always it's always amazing to me, like when you. So my my project car is the Datsun, mm-hmm. but then which mm. is a great car. Well, and you got a couple, which has which yeah. has nothing wrong with it, and it's perfect, and it's easy to work on. Which I'd argue makes it not a project car. Yeah, right. it just it's makes it a car. Really it's an old car. car. Yeah. It's a project car that could use some work. Yeah, but it yeah. But the real, but it's great. The real times. Okay, go ahead. But what I was just gonna say is that when you, you know, once you make that step from getting your line or getting your list of things that you need to do uh-huh. and it's sometimes overwhelming and then once you actually just take a couple things apart and Cross you actually have a up. list yeah. and you can go online and you see everything that you need uh the feeling that you get when you make that kind of progress yeah. is amazing yeah it's fantastic it's just a relief and that's that's the thing about the 911 is watching it deteriorate and like watching values for 911s go up over time has been nothing but a, so, a, a source of stress and guilt for me. I mean, I think, you know, was raised Catholic, 
have a, a very healthy relationship with guilt. But, you know, looking out and seeing this car sitting either in a puddle of water in the warehouse or, you know, at my under yeah, a that was pretty sad. carport. Yeah. yeah. Um, the whole situation was pretty sad. <laughs> it's just depressing. And it, it's just a weight that's on you all the time. And if memory serves, when it had to get out of that storage facility, you were in town. Oh, no, you were in Africa. In South Africa. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Received kind of a fun phone call or text. Two weeks to get yeah. out of there. <laughs> so, uh, oh, that's right. We dragged it back yep. to your house. Yeah. And the toe strap broke. And yep. Yeah, that was good. That was a hoot. Jimmy was there. That was perfectly legal. It was fine. I mean, yeah, it, it was fine. That's one of the great things yeah. about Detroit is that. As we previously mentioned, you can drive a slingshot with no license plate. <laughs> yeah, no one's, no cop is pulling you over for towing a car ever. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that's that's kind of where we are now. Um, I my plan, I think, with the car is I'm never going to sell it. It's been with me for too long. I, you know, I, I think we're going to hold on to this one. You know, kind of a I'm not going to say sympathetic recon a, re, a restoration because it's not ever going to be restored, but. Uh, sympathetic recommissioning, I think, would be it's fair. a yeah. good way to do it. We're debating right now dropping the engine um, and really getting in, but I think, you know, mm-hmm. we're gonna be we're gonna be por fifteening some things. Uh, we're gonna be replacing a lot of bushings and suspension stuff, um, and then probably do a little bit of, um, you, you know, Wevo shifter and some kind of soft, uh, kind of like. I guess what would they say? Uh, bring a trailer on the tasteful modifications. Um, Some tasty oh, mods. Yeah. Tasty mods. Updated mods. and sorted. Yeah, it'll be fully sorted properly. It Proper sorted. Uh, properly it's sorted. never going to be sorted piece of kit. It's no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's never. Jimmy, you're out. <laughs> <laughs> it's never going to be sorted, and it's never going to be proper. Uh, it's going to be messed up forever. But it will be registered and on the road. Yeah, that's correct. We should do a you know, parody where it's sorted like S-O-R-D-I-D. Like sorted, it's, yeah. it's a sorted <laughs> restoration. Interior is uh, sorted. T- it's got like blood stains on it. Taste drivefully. Uh, so that's that's the plan. That's kind of where we are. Um, Deadline's roughly spring-ish. Yeah, I'd like to have the car like on the ground in the spring. Is the interior in that thing... I know there's some mildew issues, it's right? Because of, yeah, uh, because of the high humidity storage which is you know what you <laughs> hard concrete floors yeah. uncontrolled temperatures and uh high humidity yeah. all year round yeah. it, caused, caused by a leaking it's roof. just enough it's just warm enough in the winter in the old to facility to yeah to make sure that the snow melts so it doesn't even get locked up in yeah is that salvageable though the interior oh, yeah. i mean you just clean it and yeah no we we were in there <laughs> so uh when i spotted the mold issue and i realized the car was super humid i bought all these like little Oh, uh, desiccant packs. Bags of desiccant. Yeah. <laughs> and just poured them everywhere in the car. So it's full of these little pink beads now. <laughs> that, that I think everyone asks what they are. Yeah, yeah. I know I did. Yeah, but it, it has kept it pretty dry. It's kept the leather from getting too screwed up. Um, so the, there's one, the driver's seat when I bought it was cracked and ripped pretty bad. Um, but for the most part, I think everything is salvageable, just clean. Yeah, deep clean on the carpets and yeah. repair that bolster. I think you're good. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's it'll be a fine place to spend time. It still smells like a 911. It still smells the right way. Doesn't smell do like they it. ever stop smelling like that? Like, like I think you I've have never to been do in a one lot that, to those cars yeah. to get that smell out. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't even, think you want to. That's what a 911 is supposed to smell like. No, no. 
That I mean, that would be worse than letting yeah. it rot somewhere. Yeah, in a like dark oh, wait and a second, factory like a, someplace. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Jimmy, we talked, we touched it. So I'm going to skip to you. You talked about your Datsun, which is so funny to me because since I've known you, you've been. I've never associated the Datsun with you because you spent all your time previously fixing your Mazda 323 GTX rally car, and now, uh, well, tell us that story. So. So you uh, were, one? when I met you, you were working on a 323 GTX yes. that you were rallying. Yes. Uh, then what happened? Uh, great car. Great awesome car. Awesome car. Awesome car. Very cool. Probably the coolest car. Really fun. In any, and you were racing it. So you were rallying it in what? So, so yeah. So th- there's a couple couple aspects to it. So there's the, the 323 I had always wanted to go rallying. And when I moved back from New York, um, what year was set the stage for us? What year was this? So that, yeah, that was 2013 and I moved back and I walked into a classic car storage facility in Traverse city. Um, and I saw the Datsun, which was for sale. I got it for $2,500. It's in primer. Uh, it has some tasteful modifications. A proper piece of kit. Yep. And sort as they of. say, sort of, maybe, except yeah. for when it isn't. And uh, and drove that around for a summer. Um, I then got the really good idea to buy a rally car. Uh-huh. Um, and I just kind of make it work. Uh, and I found the cheapest one I could. It was a 323 GTX uh, Mazda. Uh, it was in Arkansas, and it had been built for Pikes Peak and had since fallen into disrepair and so i drove down through a blizzard in early december picked it up with a cousin's van um drove it back through a blizzard and then spent the next month in a small garage outside of traverse city getting it ready for a snowdrift um i mean the 323 was a it was a really fun car it is a really fun car but it is very fragile and very hard to find parts for, which is are not two of the best things for a rally car. Did you blow up the transmission multiple times on that, or was that? Uh, blew up multiple transmissions multiple times. Uh, you know, I kind of started with this glorious pile of very rare 323 GTX transmissions and <laughs> yeah, depleted it relatively quickly. So other three two three guys trying to find transmissions. It's Jimmy's fault. You can't. It's my yeah. fault. You blew up all of them. All <laughs> of them. <laughs> it's all gone. That said, I have a really nice bin of random three two three GTX parts for sale. For sale, maybe. I don't know. It hurts. Do you still have the car? Yeah, I still have it. It's sitting in a corner in a barn, <laughs> as all X race cars tend to do. <laughs> yeah. Twenty um, years from now, some so kid's gonna find it. What and was it? Buy it. Racing this car. Did you ever have any notable success in it? Uh, yeah, I mean, at Snowdrift, we podiumed twice. Uh, la- this year, we got second, and the year before, we got third. So it is it is a quick and car. We, uh, yeah, a couple top tens at Snowdrift. Yeah. Very because it's easy on transmissions, and it's very gentle on the drivetrain. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of it was also bad luck and just sorting out strange issues with the car or um, different different work that had been done on it. I would argue the most notable accomplishment 
of your 323 GTX is getting you behind the wheel of a Subaru. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big moment. Yeah. That was so, a big moment in the uh, in the in the 323 so, GTX. So tell us history. about the moment where you decided that the Mazda was done and you are now a Subaru boy. Uh, a Subi boy. Yeah. I remember it very clearly. Okay. It was we uh, had to leave for a rally Wednesday night to go to Southern Ohio Forest Rally in May. And we brought the Mazda down. That was this year. That was this year. We brought the Mazda from Traverse City to Pontiac to a friend's shop. Uh-huh. And a transmission that was going to be the transmission of all transmissions. It was a dog box um, that I had gotten for free from a guy who found it in the back of his shop in Colorado. And I had then fixed one of the engagement hubs. Uh, was that the one that went to Canada? Yeah, that was the one that went to Canada. This was a legendary transmission. Legendary I mean, this transmission. A, this is a transmission that that dominated most of Jimmy and my con- uh, conversations for maybe a year. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we were looking forward to this. It was like this was a big moment. We were gonna save Jimmy was gonna solve all of his transmission problems with this magic bullet. The world was going to be fine. Yep. You know. Uh, Global warming, not an issue anymore. Yep, yep. Everything else solved. Yep. And yeah, we made it uh, six stages into the rally and we lost third gear. So that was that was pretty brutal. And then pulled over and I remember very uh, clearly sitting there and thinking in the rain under a little shack that uh, we found, uh, I'm going to get a Subaru. Yeah. So I found a 2000 2.5 RS um, from a friend and then hustled for three months and got the thing stage ready. And then uh, and then we spun a bearing on the second stage. Blue engine. The next, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what – so given that you blew your engine on your first attempt <laughs> out, uh, what's the outlook here? So like – Outlook is great. Yeah. So – so the Mazda was unrelentingly bleak, pretty much. Well, the thing about the Mazda is that you were, even at the very best, um, you were always going to be pretty much competing in a class below the class that you ran in. Uh-huh. It's A, a vintage rally car. Yep. It's B, a rare rally car. And C, it's a fragile one. <laughs> right. So... There were there was always that element of if you're you know if you're sliding around a tight turn, and let's say there's a drainage ditch on the right hand side, and you are worried about catching your rear end on it, you know you shouldn't be thinking if I break my knuckle, right. bend my lateral link, we're done, shatter my trailing arm, I'm done, and I need to find some weirdo on the internet yeah. in order to replace that part. Yeah. Whereas with the Subaru, you you do that, and there are a handful of very friendly people with stacks of them. Yeah, <laughs> likely at the race. Yeah, at the race. Right. Yeah. right. The next car behind you. Right. <laughs> they probably could just throw one out the window. And so. the engine, you can just do you uh, have another yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, up? I already found another engine. It's not a big issue. It goes in and out of the car really easily. Um, the biggest thing right now is uh, just going through and cleaning up rust. And getting that POR 15 out and oh, yeah. making those patches. Uh, getting the exhaust uh, raised. It, the stock ones are pretty low. Um, and then also just making it louder. I didn't actually yeah. think that it would be such an issue having a stock exhaust. We didn't have time to to modify it at all. Uh-huh. 
but it was actually a serious issue when you can't see <laughs> because of other reasons. Uh, I couldn't see a lot of the dash because of dust. Um, and because uh, normally dust was filling the car because there were so many rust holes, so many but, holes. Yeah. And, but normally, you know, you don't really look at the dash right. when you're driving. You don't even look at the tack. You can hear it and you can feel it. Yeah. But when it's so quiet, you actually can't tell because the gravel's bouncing off of the bottom of the car. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to be making it louder. We're going to be POR 15ing the crap out of it. Maybe and, like one of those uh, shift lights that all the kids use. A shift yeah. light would actually yeah. be really helpful. Yeah. Uh, shift lights are cool. It'd yeah. be very useful. Um, but no, the car though, transitioning from the, the Mazda to the Subarus was awesome. I mean, it's... Um, so it was fast, right? It felt, felt fast. Yeah. I mean, they're different. The Mazda had shorter uh, gearing. Uh-huh. So there's that. You know, if you turn the boost up, which was dangerous, um, it's probably a little bit quicker. But in the end, I bet they're about the same. Yeah. Feels so, faster, though, right? Feels faster. But yeah. again, you know, I mean, a, a race car or a rally car, and a rally car is really just a race car that goes through really terrible Conditions. abuse. Yeah. Um, is just an endless, endless project car. And it's, it's the dumbest thing you could possibly do but you're feeling good now oh i feel fantastic it's yeah. great yeah. <laughs> you're like the Never only stop. you're the only person in the room who's picked uh some way you know a project car that you know will never be you you build them to tear them apart right i mean you punish them right I all mean, of us are just like we need to get these things running so we can drive them on the road you're like yeah. boy right. i can't wait it's, to it's even worse it's kind of an actual it, it's actually a worse affliction than just a normal project car because there is no end to it yeah um, and really, there shouldn't be an end to it. Right. If there's an end to it, that means I stopped doing it. Right. Yeah, well, the yeah. end is it getting shoved in the corner of a barn, and you already have or one I corner find, occupied. Or I find a, <laughs> a different a sizable amount of cash stored somewhere, and uh, but by, even even by it doesn't a different really project matter. Yeah. It doesn't even matter if it's a, you know, if it's it could be a WRC car for all I care. It's yeah. still a project car. Yeah. It's still gonna break. Yeah. You. I mean, you're going out to break it. Essentially, yes. every yes. weekend. Yep. And, uh, All the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and another way. Wesley. I was going to go Graham. I think we should talk about your situation first. Yeah, I'm still, not, love, even, I'm still I, not even clear yeah, about how. I, I it's actually, a lot of situations. Yeah. So let's give me, a, give me a rundown. Of the cars that I. Cars and bikes that you're currently responsible for. Responsible for. for. Um, so. I bought a 1954 Ford when I was 15 years old. Uh huh. Is that the car I w- was in? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. were in yeah. this? Yeah. yeah. I've I seen did. It. I wa- wa- oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and he- because it was sitting, uh, and there might be a little bit of a rear main leak, I drove through the clutch a couple times. Need- Which it's a five speed T5, is that right? T5, yep. Yeah, Mustang yeah. T5. Yeah. Uh, World class T5 uh, behind a Y block. Uh huh. Um, a little hot Y block. It's kind of uh, cool. It's a really cool car. I've, so I've heard. So I've yeah. seen in pictures. But. Uh, it's, it's good time. So it, it's not notable that these are all in Indianapolis. Sadly, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I don't have a garage. So the '54 Ford uh, T5 Y block. Yep. Uh, leaking rear main. What's the outlook on that car? Uh, it, prognosis is good. Uh, eventually. Uh, <laughs> is that whole, car coming up here at some point? At some point. Well, eventually, all the cars and motorcycles I own will come up here. It just I need to get a house, which I am uh-huh. slowly working at. I need yeah. to go to a bank. Yep. Um, that's step one of home, home ownership is going to a bank. It's bank goership, as I call it. Uh-huh. Um, so that's an early 60s style custom. It's fine. Uh, I've had it forever. But the plan for that car is to blow it apart. Because um, I built it. I finished it really when I was a freshman in college. Uh-huh. Finished 
in air quotes because it still never was painted. Um, some rust in the top. So I bought a convertible top assembly. I need to buy a convertible horseshoe. Probably cut the top off, turn it into a convertible. Ooh, interesting. Um, That's I think a twist. it looks cool the way it is. It, but yeah, but finding a Victoria top or a Skyliner top, which is a glass top, is kind yeah. of a pain. Yeah. And these cars look really good as convertibles. Yeah. And the car that I was loosely inspired by was my dad's convertible. Uh, my dad's 54 Ford sedan turned into convertible. Uh-huh. Um, so keep that keep that alive. And the car needs gone through again just because it's... And it now looks like a survivor car, yeah. which is kind of the whole thing I was going for. Yeah. It looks like a car that was... Built found in, in period. Built in the day and then yeah. sat around for... <laughs> you know, built and owned by some high school kid that then sat around. So. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah. <laughs> it's a very, yeah, incredible... I, I'm a uh, super traditionalist. I like yeah. a few things. I, I actually, actually live that life. It's the Daniel... It's like method acting. Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> traditional hot rod thing. Uh, and then uh, after getting this job and moving to Detroit, I did the wise thing of buying another car that was going to sit around Indianapolis, yeah. which is a 59 Ford Galaxy. Yeah. You tried to get me to buy that car, right? I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is how this disease works. It yeah. just, uh, I wanted you to buy you it. Share it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, so we'll do these things. It's a super nice car. Uh, and I got it for a really good deal. And the whole plan of that was to turn it into a, a low budget, early to mid 60s style like Whittier, Bellflower, whatever cliche is used right now, like pre-low rider, like proto-low rider, mm-hmm. um, and then sell it. Bad part about that is I can't work on it because it's not here, and also it's a really, really good car. Uh-huh. And as tend to happen with cars you intend to sell you, that you enjoy, it might stick around for longer than... Yeah. We'll see. So that car's uh, that on car, the docket. Yeah, it's, it needs a clutch. All right, what else? Uh I have a 1975 Harley Davidson FXE little shovel head, which uh-huh. is done. I mean, and that's not a vintage Harley. Uh, a, to some, no. Yeah. To some, if it was built after the war, yeah. no. no. Or even after AMF, no. Um, but it's 40 years old at this point, so I'd call it yeah. old. I'm just giving it. No, no, for yeah. sure. It's fucking Norwegians. Yeah. Um, uh, that's basically done. Uh, I mean, it's been done. I wrote it the hell out of it, and then I moved here and it sat. Wait, it's running right now. I fire off right now. Yeah. You can uh, ride it around. I need to change oil because there's a bunch of gas in it. Uh huh. And I think the clutch is set up. There was, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could set up the clutch real fast and ride it okay. for sure. Because okay. my brother started stealing parts off it, and uh-huh. I was replacing parts that he stole. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, it, sh- it should, it should. I could ride it theoretically tomorrow. Okay. Um, after a little bit of work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so change oil, set the clutch. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, uh, I could drive the Subaru tomorrow. Yeah, fine. I mean, yeah. the 911 could be on the road tomorrow, too. Yeah, right. All problems. And then, uh, yeah. I am a steward of a Model A Coupe that my dad technically owns, uh, which is 30-31 Coupe, big Pontiac, Muncie 4-speed, 9-inch. It'll scoot over 100. So that was the car your dad built uh, or bought? It was a project that was started a long time ago by my friend Dave. Uh-huh. Uh, he, wrote, he set up the frame poorly. R.I.P. Dave, no respect. Uh, still alive. Uh, and, got, and got the body squared away. He's a body man by trade. Uh, and then Dad and I put it together. Okay. Because we traded my, my brother's Mercury for it. It's a long story. Yeah. But we got it as a roller and then threw everything away and set it up this way. Okay. Did a lot See, of work these, on it. These cars are still, and the bike too, they're they're basically mythical to me because yeah no no i've been talking about them for years yeah. but i've never I'm the only one who's seen yeah. one of them yeah. yeah jake also mentioned that to me jake uh, lingaman former podcaster you should make up another car that you have like 
I have a Kaiser Darren that yeah. I just bought today. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Supercharged? Yeah. Uh, of course, yeah. Uh, and then tomorrow I will be yanking the body off my dad's Model A Roadster, which is also Y block powered um, because it's mostly Brookville patch panels, and he bought some Henry Steel to replace it. Nice. Henry body, yeah. Wow. So, so that's you're hoping to do that this weekend? Uh, I'll be doing it tomorrow. Okay. After dinner. And it'll be done. The body won't be on, but I'll be cutting the floor out of it and getting it mocked up. Sweet. Yeah. And then my friend Alex is going to come in to finish weld and do the trunk. Nice. So, so that's fingers actually, crossed. It sounds pretty manageable the way you put it. I mean, the way you lay it out there, it doesn't sound too bad. Four car Between four cars, it doesn't sound that, that good. No, I mean, it's, it'll only be if I have a small shop, a three-car garage, yeah. a four-car garage. Yeah. It'd be easy. Yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah. All right. So... Graham, a lot is changing in Graham's life. Yeah. A lot is changing in Graham's life, but Graham has very recently, against all odds, come out of the back end of one Project Car Hell situation, which... Sort of, yeah. No, I mean, you have. The car's on the road. It's driving. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're Packard. Yeah. Packard, yeah. yeah. So, uh, boy, yeah, that, that was... That was quite a roller coaster ride. I drove it in high school and then it sat. Well, I drove it into college, sat and sat for years. Then I bought a house, which, uh, Wesley, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> Don't do it. You think you're just going to have a Like, I bought the house because I had a garage. And then years later, the garage still doesn't have electricity and the house is still falling apart. So, Graham, um, we're so similar. <laughs> but if you get a house that has a garage and electricity and whatever, I'm sure it'll work out for you this time. Yeah. But basically, the car sat and languished while I worked on the house and everything. And So how long between... So you drove the car in high school. That's, that's your daily driver. 52 right. Packard. 51. 51 Packard. Um, it was your daily driver in high school. Drove it to college. Yeah. More or less. Uh, and then at some point, you decided to take it apart. Yeah. So it, the the body, there were... It had been in an accident. One of the there was a little bit of bondo on the back, and there was some bubbling paint. It, it was an old repaint. Um, so, put it in my parents' garage. Would take it apart over the summers and uh, work on it, and then managed to get it apart to the point where I could get it painted. And then uh, power line fell in my parents' garage and uh, caught the garage on fire. Fortunately, not the car, but it completely destroyed the interior. Smoke destroyed everything. Yep. Um, insurance covered the repaint but the interior is worth more than the car you know to get it yeah. done um at a shop decent shop uh so then it basically just languished you know it was uh well kind of like you were saying with the 911 it just becomes almost hard to look at yeah you know especially when something that big happens to set you back it just becomes a it's a weight on your shoulder but also a source of guilt and something you just would rather not think about so it did languish. There were a couple attempts made to get it um, ready when yeah, I was an intern. I mean, the, the funny thing, so the part of this, uh, Graham's goal since I've known him was to get this car going for the Woodward Dream Cruise. Right. You know, event in August. Um, Five years. Yeah. Yeah. And last year I finally did. And the thing that really, you know, I think it was last summer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wesley and I tried to get it started and it just wasn't firing. And uh, eventually I was like, you know, the DIY thing is great, but I'm just going to take it into a local shop and have him get it running. And uh, turns out that the, the, the fuel pump or yeah, the distributor was, was off, off a gear, off a gear. So 
eventually we would have figured that out after cranking it and probably ruining the engine. Like the boat. Posted him a story. We'll yeah. get to that. <laughs> so the lesson was I learned it, from that was... Was there commonality between these two projects? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Patrick's actually, it's a straight A two-stroke as well. Yeah. Put me in charge of an engine I know nothing about and see what happens. Yeah. Turns out a lot no, of No, but it, basically it, that was the push. Like the car still, like the brakes didn't work as well as they should have. So I, you know, drove it back from the mechanic uh, on, you know, probably 10% of drum brakes, um, which was harrowing. But... You know, like that was that's what it finally took for me when to get it done. The car. Yeah. yeah, like it it went from being uh, an inanimate hunk of metal in my garage that we had tried to get running to a running project that it gave me a huge amount of energy to get the car finished or to the point Close where I can drive it yeah. every day. I mean, interior is still really rough, but I can drive it anywhere I want to go. I, yeah, I could go home and to, drive it a hundred miles tonight if you I wanted drove to. Drove it up to the hill climb. And yeah, Traverse City. That that was the long. Well, that was the longest trip I had ever done in that car. Yeah, really. So we, yeah, he drove it up five hours, and then we pretty much exclusively drove that yeah. all weekend. I don't think we drove anything else. Um, ran awesome, sounded great. Looks it was a lot of fun. It's yeah. got a couple weird things I'm still trying to work out. Like it's not quite running right, and we we did manage to burn through one of the uh, exhaust flange gaskets after that trip. Yeah, but I think I got that fixed. Um, so there's still stuff I'm learning, but it's the kind of stuff that you only learn by driving it and learning what it needs. So right. I think it's just going to run That's better and better. That's the sorting, sorting yes. process. Yeah. So that, that project, I'm pretty happy with where it is, um, which means I can now dive into the Nash. Well, the Metropolitan, which is something that I don't think most people at Auto Week even knew I had for the first couple of years I was here. Yeah. Because I was so embarrassed by it that I just didn't talk about it. Um, I remember seeing it in Diderosi's shop, right, and not believing you owned it. Yeah, it was a, that was a weird thing. I've always loved those cars. Um, the Nash Metropolitan. This is the it's a little yeah. Is it the, Prina, is it right? No, no, no. It's uh, it's it was this weird tie-in between no, no, yeah, Nash and uh, we'll Austin. Yeah, some of their cars they claimed were Pininfarina. Yeah, the uh, this kind of had the 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 look of those, but at like two thirds scale. It was kind of like the first. It's basically like a two-thirds or 40% scale uh, Nash ambassador type mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it uh, made famous. I think the most famous use is the, the film Clueless. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Didn't but the, uh, the, boy, the boyfriend, her, her 50s style boyfriend had a Nash Metropolitan. Did he? I'd have to rewatch. I know I Weird, Weird Al has one. Oh. So there's that too. <laughs> anyway, I've always loved those since I was a kid. And then didn't you say the other day that it was a number two compact car? Yeah, yeah. So they they were like at their time they were the number two selling compact car in America or whatever. <laughs> After the Volkswagen, which you know outsold it by like a hundred to one, but there weren't really a lot of uh, right. options at the time. But so basically, weird story. I was driving home from from uh, from college. Sorry, yeah, that is definitely an Ash Metropolitan. Okay, yeah. good. Well, and uh, Lewis Lane in that Superman movie with uh, Lewis Lane. What's her name? Lois. 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 Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Every time one goes up for auction in the listing, they go, it's the lowest lane car from Superman. It's like, no, it's not. But uh, driving home from college, it was like late fall, early winter, ice storm, couldn't take uh, couldn't take the expressway home. I think I might have been driving the Packard. Roads were iced over, going on some back road, and in front of this guy's house was the saddest. I mean, it was just one of those sad moments where, I mean, they're cute little cars, 
in the ice for sale, really cheap. I don't remember what it was, but you know, end of the season, guy wanted to get rid of it. It ran ish. I mean, it was a little rough. I'm like, well, I'm driving the Packard. I can uh, put this one in the garage. Yeah. Um, well, shortly after that, I decommissioned the Packard. This thing's been floating around from like body shops to random warehouses. House, it's just a mess. It's been it's it's one of those like. So it's it's now it, it's Austin engine is right. It's an Austin on fifteen hundred cc engine is yep. rebuilt. It's rebuilt on a stand. Transmission is in the back seat. Yep. The last time I saw it, it the body it's is it's a bare metal shell, bare metal with some filler, the finishing filler in it that's going to probably have to be removed it and totally done and at this point. redone, yeah. but. The body itself is, you know, there's some Pretty dings straight. on it, but yeah. there's no no terminal rust or anything like that. So basically, I'm looking at kind of a build your own Nash paint and assembly. Kit. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm going to try to do with it because I don't have the skills to to do body work and stuff like that, and or the facilities, I'm going to try doing like a general contractor approach to this, where I'll take on what I can, but then also outsource. Yeah. As much as I can. Yeah. Which is a smart way to do it. Because I'm getting married next year. And my fiance thinks that uh, we can get it done in time. That'll be the car you drive away from the wedding in. Well, probably the Packard, but uh-huh. this will be there. Oh, wow. The goal is to have as many weird old cars yeah. there as possible. Yeah, bring the yeah. Jeep and the. So. Um, you can bring all of Wesley's cars. But look into the GTX, but I can't promise yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ship them all wherever your wedding is. We'll just put them on a truck we'll and you can it figure it all out. It'll yeah. probably be in Detroit. But yeah. the, the cool thing is. With this car and, you know, cars like the Willys and the 911 too, they have enough of a following that you can get a lot of stuff. I can get a complete interior kit yeah. that you have to put together yourself, but, you know, high quality for not a lot of money. And that's appealing. You know, there's there's like three or four places around the country that specialize in the restoration of these things, uh-huh. which for being a weird little niche car is, is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but I need to... Need to sit down maybe this weekend and make the long list of everything that needs to be done. Yeah. And it's going to suck and it's going to seem super intimidating. But, Jimmy, like you said, once you can start crossing stuff off the list. Um, it changes everything. Yeah. yeah. And that was in our DIY issue last year, special issue, if you didn't get it. Um, talked to Alan Galbraith, uh-huh. who uh, former owner of Bulletproof Car yeah. Shows. And that was that was he was working on a month's jet. I don't know where he stands on that project, but he's like the the thing to do. If any of you listening have this this uh, this problem too, issue, yeah, just yeah, take a notebook and make a list of every single thing you have to do. And uh, no matter how intimidating it seems, because yeah, once you start crossing them off, you actually get a sense of accomplishment, yeah. and uh, you can actually tangibly see the progress on the list, even though it might not look like it on the car. Um, but we'll see if that helps me get it done in less than a year. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that was like when when we were in the garage two weeks ago. So long ago, driving the 911, I did some uh, I would say light off roading uh, uh, rally school. No, An impromptu rally it was school. it was kind of like more crawling than oh, rallying. Okay. Yep. Um, I was trying to. Well, never mind. We don't need to get into why I was doing it, but. The important thing is uh, hit something and then shortly thereafter lost first gear and always. Oh, you didn't say you were. Ooh, yeah, yeah, you I did not mention yeah, that. You didn't mention <laughs> that. No, you did uh, not. You, you, said, you, maybe you, you, you just said you'd you driving lost a little it. hard. 
<laughs> no, no, I, I'm sure I mentioned that I hit something. But uh, so lost first gear and then drove it for like two and a half years just without first gear, um, which is fine. It's a torquey car. It's lightweight. Like it, you know, it wasn't too hard on the clutch, I don't think. But um, anyway, lost first gear and had kind of like half-assed my way into trying to figure out like how there's a there's a procedure how to uh, kind of reset the um, the linkage to to supposedly uh, regain first gear and make all the other shifts a little bit uh, easier. Kind of half-assed that um, and never really got it working and just kind of, you know, it was my daily driver, so I had to drive it anyways, put it back together. Um, Jimmy and Wesley a couple weeks ago sitting in the garage fiddling with it and just doing this procedure over and over and over again actually got first gear back, which was a huge... I mean, that was a, you know, like, like I said, we're probably going to do a Wevo shifter, probably going to have to redo everything anyway, but that was crazy. It was like, oh shit, like that's, that was a major step where it was like something that's been wrong with the car for, I mean, at this point, close to a decade is now fixed. And that's a really, really good feeling. Well, I know it was a really good game changer in the sense that it's not a shift fork that's bent. It's not, right. There's nothing terminal with the transmission. Yeah, and that's like so often... Things aren't as bad as I mean. I'm sure there's a life lesson here too. But things aren't as bad as you're imagining yeah. them being. Like sometimes they definitely are. They can are be worse than they. <laughs> they can be. They can be even worse. Yeah, you can be opening a portal to nightmare hell. But a lot of this stuff, it's like uh, I I don't want to know what's wrong with it because it's going to be terrible. And then you just go through it, and it's like actually it's it's not as bad as it was in my mind. Yeah, uh, and I I think too like the you know in my situation the. When something goes unresolved for that long, you just start imagining all the worst case. But it's also like, yeah, you imagine the worst case stuff, but then like you can talk yourself into these things being wrong that like when you actually get back into the project, it's like, what what was I thinking? Like, what you know, how did I invent that insane ailment for the car? You know what I mean? Like when the reality is is usually very close to what you initially thought it was. I remember, um, you know, early on at the nine 11, there was a whole summer where I didn't drive it and just drove the beetle because I was driving home and the engine died. Driving home from East Lansing to Traverse city is like three hours. Engine died. I was with my girlfriend at the time. And it was like, I had to put it on a truck and drive it back home. And I was like, so disappointed, uh, seeing it get towed back home that I just kind of, you know, it was like I put it in the garage and didn't want to think about it. And then, like I said, I didn't drive it for a whole summer. And then I was sitting there thinking, like, what the hell could possibly be wrong with the car? You know, the the temperature never went up. The uh, oil pressure was good. You know, like running through it. And I was like, oh, you know, it might be electrical. And I went and checked. The ground strap from the battery had come loose and, like, wasn't making good <laughs> contact. And the battery died. And that was it. And it was like I gave up a whole summer driving that car thinking about like the million possible ailments of what I could have done. And the reality was just like I spent 30 seconds like cleaning a contact and regrounding it. And that was it. Well, and I think I think that's why all of these every project car should just be turned into a rally car. (laughs) Yeah, because because you you always have because you're you're obsessed with the with the driving and the rally yeah right? like the car itself I don't really yeah care greatly about but it's you're not doing it for the sake of the car right yeah so but 
in having that that goal though you know like with the subaru i bought it in june and we rallied it in october yeah and actually the failure would have happened right no matter what it was an old engine yeah um but you know when you have that when you have that goal and and you just say i am not going to not make that event yeah then actually everything becomes very easy yeah and sure i mean it's it's really depressing when you (laughs) you know when you dnf out of an event or something or you don't make it or whatever um but you know it's it's still oh well i just need to get to the next one yeah and you tear everything apart and you put it all back together and chances are if you have you know your your friends or other other handy people or whatever you know you can do it in a very short period yeah that i mean i would say you know the the most rewarding project car experience i've ever had was doing that lot of because it was like again it was a set time period we had a lot of hands on it and we had like david rackow from haggerty uh who does all the um the they doing do what a, you're doing it really helps well david <laughs> david is a brilliant guy um and we had some we had you know jonathan Klinger, who's a mcpherson graduate you know restoration and then a bunch of other guys who had various skills um but having the shop space with the lift and all that stuff helped. But it was more just like, you know, being able to break out tasks, figure out, you know, while Klinger's rebuilding the engine, um, we, you know, David and I rebuilt the suspension. And it, but it was like, we only have so much time to do it. So we have to allocate these tasks to people to get them all done. And, you know, we, we ended up getting an incredible amount of work done in a very short period of time, uh, especially cause we procrastinated for like the first three months. But that was, that was an incredibly rewarding, like I said, experience, the race car thing. I, you know, I, and I think too, just having that deadline set. So Graham, your deadline is the wedding, right? Which is, what's the date? Got to pick that. Oh, so Probably uh, about there, there is yeah. A, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ne- next fall. Uh, well, no, I'll say like four years from now. In uh, the in the attempt to get the Packard ready for the Dream Cruise, yeah. Even though it didn't happen yeah. the first, yeah. I think two times I, I had like the push to get it ready. Yep. I got more done. You know, more constructive work was done on sure. that car leading up to that, even though it wasn't quite there than had been done in the previous three years, four years. You know, just because it was one of those like. I'll stay up until two thirty in the morning with work lights on, working yeah. on it. Like, you know, th- it is useful even to set an artificial goal, even if you don't meet it. With rallies, they're not artificial goals. The dates are set by, you know, the organizers. But like, yeah, more will get done on this Nash in the next nine months than have happened in the previous, you know, seven years. Yeah, so because Jimmy, there's a goal. You are you doing snowdrift? Uh, don't know. So the motor's got to be in the car if you're doing snow drift. The motor by. isn't the motor isn't the the issue. The motor can be done in an afternoon. Yeah. The uh, um, the issue with this is is that um, now that the car, I mean, the car once the engine's in can go be stage ready, but it's um, it's about patching rust um, and just preventing rust, and also going to do some bushings. Uh-huh. Um, the car is I. Subarus are not known for, or they are known for being quite rusty. Yeah. Uh, so taking apart all of the suspension lateral links and knuckles and yeah. all that and just replacing everything, making sure it's easy to take it apart. And so you would say to. you're hopeful about Snowdrift? Uh, I mean. Not a goal. Not a goal. If it happens, then that would be great. 
Um, but I think definitely 100 Acre Wood in March okay. is a so that's the non-rushed. Stretch goal is snowdrift. The real goal is 100 Acre <laughs> It'll woods. probably end up being snowdrift. But yeah. the uh, – Yeah. <laughs> because Three weeks once before. Once you see everybody else signing yeah, up yeah, for yeah, snowdrift, right. <laughs> yeah. Be like, oh, I could – Oh, half-ass everything again. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh Wesley, your goals uh, are well, probably somewhat more. Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, I know I said this last year, but now that I have a license plate coming for my minivan, uh, get picking it up tomorrow. Um, probably this spring, I'm going to drive the van down. Start bringing stuff up. T- I'm going to take a week this winter and put a clutch in, in, a stu- in the stupid Galaxy. Ah. No, and I, I can leave the Galaxy here, theoretically, during the summertime. Yep. Um, the motorcycle is a different situation. I need to find an actually safe storage for that. Uh, Safer than here, where we have a 24-hour armed guard and fences. Well, I mean, as we've learned with the minivan, they like things moved, and they don't like things that leak. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, you can stick the motorcycle in my garage. We'll talk about that all fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have my own concerns about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more of, uh, like, I don't want to disturb you at, like, 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm right. coming home. Sure. Uh, but springtime probably trickle something up is the plan if I can take some time off and put things together. Yeah. Um, but then buying a house. So I would say my goal with the 911 is probably by the time it's nice enough to drive. So what is that? July, middle next August. Next August. No, I you know I think reasonably late uh, April. Late April. May. Once yeah. the snow or rains wash the salt off. Yeah. yeah. Late April. I think I would love to have that car on the road. Um, so we will check in on our various uh, failures and successes uh, in, in meeting those goals kind of on an ongoing basis as the yeah. podcast goes on. I like on. that. Some accountability. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> and actually, it is real accountability because as I found out today, we have uh, a bunch of people listening to this show. You were mentioning that beforehand. Yeah. yeah. No, it was crazy. Like I was joking about how like it's a handful of people who listen to any given episode, but it's actually quite a few people. And like tens. No, like thousands of people, um, which is really... I look at the metrics. I don't believe you. No, you... So I was looking at uh, people listening actually on the website today. Oh, what the hell? And um, so people, a lot of people are listening to it on the autoweek.com site. And a lot of people are listening... Like when we have long, inane, stupid episodes, people are listening... Like the average listener is listening to most of the episode. Yeah, I can see that. That's yeah. true. Uh, so that is really cool. Um, and I, I think we should... Uh, obviously thank you guys who are out there listening to us for some reason. I can't imagine uh, why. I can recommend some better podcasts if you're interested. Um, I know what they're waiting for, though. What? Monster Trucks, the deep dive. Yeah, no, we really need to get into a, a, you know, a multi- multi episode yeah we didn't really look at it from a cinemagraphic like well, we didn't really look at the photography or anything like that i mean like, that's I think, true i think to be fair in the two hours we talked about it we, we barely scratched the surface we mostly just did plot synopsis which yeah. is yeah. it admittedly takes at least two hours to do yeah and we'll have to get back into that obviously as we we redo you know yeah. do another episode a series of episodes we'll get back into the plot synopsis a little bit closer maybe a read of the script would be in order a table read yeah, yeah. i think um, we can do that but Thank you so much for listening to this. It's uh, crazy that you are and uh, very meaningful to us. If there are things that you'd like to hear us talk about. Oh, shit. We're actually supposed to talk about the AMG GTAR real quick. A car we all drove. Yeah. Even yeah. Jimmy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Jimmy drove it too. Yeah. I did drive okay, it. So let's. No, he didn't officially. Um, but let me. Uh, so we will yeah, get no, into that very, very briefly. Um, 
But thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's really cool. And, and please, before we talk about this AMG GTR, uh, go to the iTunes. Five star us. Five star it. Leave your comment, even if it's negative, but still make sure it's five stars. Yeah. yeah. I don't care what you say. But also, like I said, if there's um, if there's stuff you want to hear us talk about on the podcast, hit us up. Um, we would love to have uh, you know some direction for this meandering podcast that we do so uh i've heard some feedback that people like us talking about cars so your feedback is is what? warranted and cars? listened to yeah we've done not the movie well with cars this time I think, no i think we mostly talk about cars yeah most mostly yeah. cars anyway uh getting into the amg gtr the r version of it, the yeah, amg gt yeah r yeah really cool uh i drove the amg gt when it came out super impressive car big gt uh, very comfortable, but it's beautiful and oh yeah, gorgeous. But um, didn't have much of an or didn't have a lot of edge. I think um, it's a, a nice, not super soft, but softish Grand Tour. It's a big, comfortable GT. Yeah, uh, the R version has a lot more edge. Uh, I studied the blade. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's <laughs> well, there's yeah. a lot of edge on that. Yeah, uh, so. So the one we had was like a kind of a matte metallic green, ten thousand dollar matte green, green hell or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, that's the best it's, thing it about seems the car. To be the yeah. matte, the matte green that's going around. It yeah, yeah, no, but color. the name of this was um, Magno Green Hell. Magno Green Hell, which uh, is, is, is that a is it a Nurburgring reference? It yeah. is a nod to the Nurburgring. Uh, yeah. The car was obviously, as all German cars, honed or. Developed, honed, mastered on the Nurburgring. Yep. And when it was presented, it was presented by, uh, it was unveiled by a friend of the show, Formula One champion, Luis Hamilton, friend of Mercedes-Benz. <sighs> yep, uh, friend, of, friend of the brand. Uh, I don't think we need to say anything more about Luis. But anyway, uh, the car the car was fantastic. Um, great was, power, made a great sound. Um, I mean... Like I said, all the issues that I had about the um, the AMG GT being a more refined car, I think, were mostly, um, you know, obviously uh, alleviated with this giant carbon wing green uh, snarling monster. Um, so, Graham, you drove it. Yeah, we we had a, we had an AMG GTC Cabrio yeah. yep. right before. Yep. Um, at the same time same, same right basically. yeah so I, I drove that thing first and you know with the top down obviously it's got air scarf so yep, you're, you're good and that car gets a lot of the lot a lot of the performance parts from the the gtr without the extra power mm-hmm. so it gets rear wheel steering stuff like their rear axle steering whatever they're calling it yeah um and driving that thing Again, I had driven an AMG GTS, had a lot of fun with it, but it really didn't connect emotionally. Then I drove the GTC Cabrio. I was like, okay, this has got a little bit more of an edge. It feels a little a little more brutal, which I, I guess I kind of want in a car like that. And then after that, drove the GTR, and it was like, it creaked. It was a little, you know, yeah, stiff. super stiff. Really stiff. Um, could barely get the power down because it was a little cold when I drove it. But it was like, it was wild enough to be fun. Yeah. It, it, it was wild enough to live, live up to the pin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, the GT and the GTS, super controlled. Um, 
you can do the thing where you can dial back the traction and you know yeah there's a huge orange dial on, on the, the GTR on yeah. the GTR yeah, the yeah that's got like nine way traction which control, was kind of that was that sweet. was kind of my favorite part oh I like that I'm talking about the GTS just you can turn off the traction but the car just feels so composed all the time yeah um, I want a little bit of an edge sure and the GTR was like well you know, as I, much I think as I what, really, I, what I liked about it and I only drove it very slowly in very uh, controlled conditions. Just parked um, it, basically. To get it to car Basically just down. parked it. Yeah. Um, but, and I didn't drive the the normal GT or yeah. the C, but I have a decent amount of time in an SLS. And I thought, comparatively, it, it felt much more like a, like a real sports car. And it yeah. was, I mean, super fast uh, while parking. And but it had a great sense of drama to it, and the traction control knob, even whether you figure out how to use it or not, yeah, and whether it's all lit up or you've got it cranked down or whatever, you know, it's this yellow little knob of you know, fun in the center of the dash, yeah, Yeah. and this it's just right there, which is fantastic, you know, and it's the whole drama of the car is is great, it's fun, it's and the steering response was just. Phenomenal. Absolutely wicked. You yeah. know, I mean, really fast. I have to say, though, I think we all agree after having driven all that parking. car, as much power as it makes, as great as it sounds, you really miss that big uh, 6.2. Yeah. I mean, 6.2. yeah, the SLS I, is one of the greatest sounding cars. Ever yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kept thinking, driving that the green car is, like I said, as incredible as it was, I will never, ever forget the first time uncorking that SLS and listening to that that huge v8 i mean just like the most brutal sounding metallic I mean, lots of compression so yeah. the trick is to buy uh the gt3 buy the gt3 car because yeah, they're still GT3 putting the they're still putting the naturally aspirated v8s in the race cars yeah. so buy one oh, of their wow. client cars and get it plated in michigan so that's what we recommend yeah easy <laughs> enough yeah do that um so we're coming up on a little over an hour which i'm looking at the metrics here told uh that's ideal i understand we're we're about <laughs> ideal um thank you again uh for listening uh for being one of the thousands of auto week podcast listeners that's really cool um i think we're gonna wrap up and we will uh we'll see you soon we'll see you in the next episode